Welcome to Bradley's Micro Board Review, where we try to make your board's review for microbiology a little less painful. But, I mean, we're not magicians or anything. This still sucks. Aspergillus species are a weird fungus in that they, we have never seen the yeast form. Even when they are in the human body, they will form hyphal structures with no yeast cells. The mold form is made up of septate hyphae that branch off at acute angles. When looking at a slide and you're trying to identify fungi, scan the whole slide. And if you see several branches that look less than 90 degree angles, then you can guess aspergillus species. Another structure that might help with identification is the reproductive structure, which are conidia that release spores. There are many aspergillus species that can cause disease in humans, but the most common is aspergillus fumigatus. This is also a fungal species that produces catalase, which means that patients with chronic granulomatous disease, which are more susceptible to infections with catalase-positive organisms, are more susceptible to acquiring this infection uh, with this organism. Patients with cystic fibrosis, AIDS, and or asthma are also more susceptible to this infection. Typically, this infection is transmitted to humans by the inhalation of conidia. In immunocompetent people, this is no problem because their alveolar macrophages clear the fungal spores before they germinate. Immunocompromised people have trouble with the clearance, and therefore the spores germinate in their lungs, forming the hyphal structures within their lung tissue. The most likely manifestation of aspergillosis is the formation of granulomatous nodules in the lung tissue. These nodules mimic tuberculosis, but might also have the halo sign, which is an area of ground glass opacities around the nodule. This is widely asymptomatic, but might have a chronic dry cough as well. Another manifestation is chronic pulmonary aspergillosis, which is a long-term development of cavitary lesions within the lung tissue and will present as fever, chest pain, cough, dyspnea, and hemoptysis as the lesions develop. Sometimes growth on the walls of these cavities will break off into the lumen of the cavity and begin to grow as a fungal ball or aspergilloma. These are made up of hyphal structures, fibrin, mucus, and cellular debris. They will present with fever and hemoptysis. They will also present after the formation of cavities in the lung tissue caused by other infections like tuberculosis. One really cool thing about aspergillomas is that they are literally a ball of gunk bouncing around in a cavity. So if you take imaging of the patient standing up and then take an image of them lying down, the aspergilloma will appear to move locations. One interesting manifestation is called the allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis, which occurs primarily in patients with asthma or cystic fibrosis. These patients are first colonized by aspergillus species, which on top of being a hyphal fungal infection, produces spores in the tissues. These patients develop a type 1 hypersensitivity reaction against these fungal spores, causing bronchospasms, fever, mucus impaction, granuloma formation, and pulmonary infiltrates. This, of course, exacerbates the problem in both asthmatic patients and cystic fibrosis patients. Because of the type 1 hypersensitivity, these patients will also have a high level of IgE and peripheral eosinophilia. This does look a lot like an allergic reaction to fungal spores. The only difference I could really find is the fact that the is primarily occurs in asthmatic or fi cystic fibrosis patients.
Occasionally, in immunocompromised patients, the hyphal structures will invade blood vessels of the lung. This is called angioinvasive aspergillosis. It's possible that this is a local invasion of the lung tissue can cause a hemorrhagic infarction and or necrotizing bronchopneumonia. If the hyphae disseminate, it can cause problems in the organs that are seated, including kidney failure, endocarditis, ring-enhancing lesions in the brain, and necrosis of the nasal cavity, among others. This is, has a mortality rate of over 60%, so it's imperative that early diagnosis of aspergillosis and appropriate treatment is started immediately before the hyphae become invasive. There are a few molecules that are produced in some aspergillus species, like the alphatoxins, which can cause damage to the liver. Alphatoxins are usually ingested by eating crops that have collected alphatoxins from molds in the environment. Normally, humans just can consume a small dose of alphatoxins, causing subclinical symptoms and chronic liver damage and inflammation. However, any patient that has chronic inflammation can lead to the development of cancer, and in this case, hepatocellular carcinoma. Children are particularly susceptible to presenting with liver necrosis due to alphatoxin injection, ingestion, and therefore the FDA has regulated that all grain storage be tested for alphatoxin contamination. Some aspergillus species also have citronin and acrotoxin, which are nephrotoxins and cause damage to the kidney. These are also tied to the consumption of grains contaminated with the products of molds and are often found together. They are a common cause of endemic nephropathy, which is an acquired chronic nephropathy culminating in kidney failure. Diagnosis is typically clinical, but bronchoalveolar lavage and biopsy samples can easily culture the organism for identification. Patients with allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis and cystic fibrosis might have a difficult time collecting the causative agent. You can, however, use serologic testing to test for high anti-aspergillus IgE antibodies to identify the syndrome. You can also do an ELISA test for several sugar molecules found in many species of aspergillus. Asymptomatic patients do not require any treatment if their only finding is an aspergillus nodule. Pulmonary aspergillosis requires treatment with itraconazole. Allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis typically needs itraconazole and oral steroids to help combat the allergic inflammation. Aspergillomas are usually removed surgically, but antifungal medications prior to and after surgery are necessary in case some hyphal elements break off during the removal and seed the area again. Angioinvasive aspergillosis can be complicated with many medications, but most include voriconazole in combination with other medications. Now let's take all that knowledge and bring it to the boards. A 54-year-old male presented with a productive cough and hemoptysis for the last two months. He did not have any fever, chills, night sweats, shortness of breath, or chest pain. Past medical history is significant for pulmonary tuberculosis at age 50 and type 2 diabetes mellitus. Chest auscultation revealed scattered right upper lung field crackles. Acid fast bacilli smears were definitively negative, and HIV testing is negative. 
chest radiography of the patient upright reveals a mass on the top of the right lobe and mass in the middle of the top right lobe when the patient is supine. After developing worsening hypnosis, emergency removal of the upper lobe was performed. Histology of the removed tissues revealed a mass comprised of fungal hyphae with acute angle branching, fibrin, and mucus with no evidence of tissue invasion. What is the most likely diagnosis? Is it A, pulmonary aspergillosis, B, aspergilloma, C, allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis, or D, angioinvasive aspergillosis? First, diagnose the patient. This patient is presenting with a two-month history of hemoptysis. The history of tuberculosis and the presence of a lung mass might make you immediately think of tuberculosis, and you totally should. That would be my number one pick, too. Except they tell us that testing definitively did not find any acid fast bacilli, so we can ignore tuberculosis for now. Imaging found a mass in the upper lobe when the patient was upright, but the mass must have moved slightly to the middle lobe when the patient became supine, which suggests that his mass isn't really anchored into the tissue. Histological examination of the lung tissue then found hyphal structures consistent with aspergillosis species infection, fibrin and mucus, and no evidence of invasion. Choice A, chronic pulmonary aspergillosis presents with fever, chest pain, cough, dyspnea, hemoptysis, and the low, slow formation of cavitary lesions within the chest. The imaging did not mention any cavitary lesions, but the presence of a mass. Our patient also didn't present with fever, chest pain, or dyspnea. Choice B, aspergilloma, is a fungal ball that forms within a previously developed cavitary lesion. These are made of aspergillosis species, hyphae, mucus, and fiber. Patients will present with fever, hemoptysis, and cough. The fungal ball often changes position based on the position of the patient. Choice C, allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis almost exclusively occurs in patients with cystic fibrosis or asthma. This would present as an uncontrollable exacerbations of symptoms, including bronchospasm, peripheral eosinophilia, fever, production of brown mucus, and the formation of mucus plugs. Choice D, angioinvasive aspergillosis usually presents in immunocompromised patients and would present with much more serious organ dysfunction and destruction. Therefore, the correct answer is B, aspergilloma. A 43-year-old male presents to the clinic with a three-week history of wheezing, shortness of breath, and productive cough, producing rubbery mucus plugs. Chest auscultation revealed widespread audible expiratory wheezes. Serum levels of total IgE were 1,454, where the reference range is less than 81, and antibodies against aspergillosis fumigatus IgE levels were 40, where the reference range is less than 35. Serum complete blood count with differential revealed in elevated eosinophil numbers. What comorbidity is most associated with this patient's diagnosis? Is it A, acquired immunodeficiency syndrome, B, chronic granulomatous disease, C, cystic fibrosis, or D, diabetes mellitus? First, diagnose the patient. 
this patient is presenting with desmia and coughing up mucus plugs. Diffuse lung inflammation as determined by the widespread wheezing, high levels of total IgE and part particularly IgE against Aspergillus fumigatus, and a high peripheral eosinophilia are all signs of allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis. Choice A, acquired immunodeficiency syndrome, which is caused by a long-term unregulated infection with human immunodeficiency virus, might make patients more susceptible to acquiring angioinvasive aspergillosis, but not allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis. Choice B, patients with chronic granulomatous disease are more susceptible to acquiring infections with catalase-positive organisms. Aspergillus species are catalase positive, so these patients would be more susceptible to acquiring pulmonary aspergillosis, aspergillomas, or angioinvasive aspergillosis, but not allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis. Choice C, patients with cystic fibrosis or asthma are particularly susceptible to acquiring allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis. Choice D, diabetes mellitus does not cause patients to be more susceptible to acquiring this particular syndrome, but it could make patients more susceptible to acquiring pulmonary aspergillosis since diabetes mellitus makes people immunocompromised. Therefore, the correct answer is C, cystic fibrosis. I particularly want to thank these individuals for writing a review on Apple Podcasts, Billy Ferg, Maverick CB15. Thank you so much. It means a lot to us. You can find our study calendar, a guide on how to study microbiology specifically for the boards, our contact email address, and references used to make this episode at thebradleylab.wordpress.com. If you found an error or would like to discuss any of this information, please leave us a voice message in the show notes. If you appreciated this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend. This podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts, and it would be a big help for us if you could submit a review. This podcast was written and edited by me, Jillian Bradley. See you tomorrow.